Welcome to the Subject to Change podcast. I am Sarah Rorman, social worker, trauma survivor, advocate, and spiritual life coach. My life's mission is to teach others how to dig deep within themselves to unapologetically create their own path towards healing. I believe with my whole heart, healing from our trauma and having a relationship with our higher power will allow us to live a life of endless possibilities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Subject to Change podcast. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with me today. This is part one of a two-part episode. And for today's episode, we will be covering a lot of information about the subconscious mind. I will be talking about where the concept of the subconscious mind originated from, how subconscious beliefs are formed, and how our subconscious mind and subconscious beliefs are connected to our inner child. Then in part two, which will be available next week, we will do more of a deep dive of how to connect to our inner child. And as always, I will be threading throughout these episodes both personal and professional examples so that hopefully you can relate to it, connect with it, and have a light bulb moment for yourself. So let's jump right into the phrase inner child or inner child work. I feel like this has been a bit of a buzzword these last couple years and have quickly caught on in more holistic healing settings, which I think is amazing. However, this concept has actually been around for quite some time. Now, maybe you have started learning about the inner child, but you're not really sure how it developed within you. Maybe you've heard the phrase collective unconsciousness, but I do think if you are new to either of these topics, sometimes it can sound a little woo-woo and or maybe a little airy, right? So I'm going to try to break this information down today uh, without sounding like your freshman <laughs> 101 psychology professor, because there's actually extensive research on inner child work and our collective unconsciousness and our subconscious mind. So let's go back to the beginning and figure out where this idea of the inner child originated from. The concept of the inner child originates from psychologist Carl Jung. His studies and research are better known today as analytical psychology. And analytical psychology was actually first introduced in 1916. So that gives you a little bit of a time frame of how long these concepts have actually been around for. Now, upon his research, Carl Jung believed in a process called individuation, His theory was that when a person moves through life and continues to grow and age, certain life experiences is what creates their personality, which then makes them an individual. He believed there were two foundational building blocks in our mind when it comes to the process of individuation. Those two building blocks are the conscious realm where our ego lives And then the second building block is the unconscious realm, where our personal unconscious and collective unconscious live. His theory is that in our personal unconscious, that is composed of memories from our personal history and past. And the collective unconsciousness is composed of commonality between all human beings, such as the instincts that we have, identifying and knowing when we are in danger 
And that ingrained knowing in us at such a young age of what our basic needs are, right? So food, water, shelter. Now, Young's extensive research on the subconscious and conscious mind shows us that if someone is unable to fully process certain experiences through the individuation process, then a part of their subconscious will not be able to move forward through the process of individuation. Then it will not be until the person is able to learn and confront their unconscious mind to then be able to integrate this experience in that individuation process. He believed that for a person to have a harmonious conscious and subconscious, they must be able to balance these different parts of their psyche in order to have a whole and healthy individuation process. Young believes that when we are able to encompass wholeness, when our individuation process is able to really feel whole is when it can be identified as complete. And when this process of individuation is complete, we then form into that very last stage of wholeness, which he identifies as the self. So what does this mean exactly? (laughs) Now, the way that I interpret Jung's work is that this means our learned experiences from childhood and throughout those developmental years create the foundational blueprint of our subconscious mind. As we move through life, our experiences, whether they are positive or negative, form our beliefs about ourselves, others, the world, which are stored in the subconscious mind to develop the foundation of the individuation process. (laughs) So I know that that was a lot of information, but I hope that you're still with me. So when is the individuation process complete and the self is fully formed? Well, we know that the prefrontal cortex of our brain is fully formed around the age of 25, right? 25, 26, sometimes 27. The prefrontal cortex of our brain is very important with behavioral performances and executing specific brain functions. So my understanding is that this is the time that the process of individuation is pretty much complete. Now, with more recent neuroscience research, conducted by Dr. Joe Dispenza, his research shows that by age 30 is when that subconscious blueprint is settled in firmly and when our personality is fully complete and fully formed. And I like to believe that this is when we enter into that integration period of becoming the self. Then voila, We have a whole adult person with their own beliefs, opinions, mindful constructs, personality, characteristics that will then take them through the very end of their life. But this is also why research has shown that after your mid-30s, it can be more challenging to break out of some of those habits and change those subconscious beliefs or that foundational blueprint. Of course, not impossible to change, just a little bit more challenging to restructure and stretch that neuroplasticity that is connected to that blueprint. 
So isn't that pretty wild? I just think that that whole process of individuation and becoming the self and how it's formed is really so fascinating. So next I want to talk more about the blueprint and I want to go into a little bit more detail around that. I believe through studying and understanding my own blueprint is that during our prime developmental years, which are infancy, toddler, child, and teenager, is when we are simultaneously creating that subconscious foundational blueprint, which makes sense if we believe that the individuation process is complete by our mid-20s. So those experiences during those developmental years is what shapes our perception of the world creating a set of beliefs that are then stored in our subconscious mind, also known as our foundational blueprint. And each person's perception to their reality is dependent on the experiences that they had during the individuation process, making them an individual. Now, from Jung's research, we know each memorable experience we had during those developmental years affect us on some deeper level, ultimately leaving a lasting impression on us. So I want to go back to where Jung's research talks about if certain experiences are not fully processed, they become stuck in the process of individuation. Now, we understand that we move through the process of individuation to become who we are truly intended to be, right? That's the whole idea of going through this process is to become an individual. And this means that we must be integrating all of our past positive and negative experiences in such a way that we can live healthy, productive, and emotionally stable lives, So going back to that idea of having a balance, a harmonious balance between those two realms in our mind. But what happens to those experiences that we are not able to fully process? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) What ends up happening is that we lose touch with this part of ourself. And what happens when we either have a traumatic event or someone close to us denies our reality through those developmental years, well, that individuation process becomes negatively impacted. And again, that negative experience is what we suppress in our process. That is what we lose touch of. And if we have difficulty individuating, This is what has a negative effect on our personality and on our behaviors. And this could lead to a bunch of different behavioral or personality traits, right? It could lead to an an increased dependence on others, challenges in romantic, professional, family relationships. It could lead to poor decision-making, having difficulty connecting to your true self. And those are just a couple different examples. That is why it can be so helpful to self-reflect on the experiences you had during those developmental years and which experiences were maybe positive or negative for you. 
And as we learned earlier, those positive or negative experiences we move through then create a set of subconscious beliefs. And I believe from my own experience is that a handful of those beliefs from those negative experiences that formed me and helped shape me, those beliefs were coming from a place of wanting to keep myself safe and out of harm's way. And if we have been working off of the same blueprint, then that is 5, 10, 20, 35 years of those circuits firing and wiring on the same path. So as we continue to age and move through life, each time we have a similar experience to what feels like that original threat that was stored in the blueprint, here comes that subconscious thought that was developed in those developmental years to keep us safe. And if we have not explored our subconscious then we are still working with those same beliefs we created during those developmental stages. So let's just say we had a subconscious belief that we created at age seven, but as an adult, you are still on some level responding as that seven-year-old would because you have not been able to fully move through that individuation process from that age. A question that I have come up frequently in coaching sessions is how do I know if I have a subconscious belief that I have outgrown? And I like to break it down like this. The first step that you can take is doing a little bit of basic research of how your mind works. So understanding the basic concepts of the subconscious mind, you know, and just doing a little bit of research and finding what really resonates for you. The second is that there's usually a pattern in either one or more areas in your life where you maybe feel a little bit stuck or you just can't quite get that breakthrough that you've really been wanting. So I would say find the pattern. What experiences do you seem to continue to have over and over again? The third is to explore the origin. So these thoughts and patterns didn't necessarily just come out of thin air, right? This is what this whole podcast is about. How did they form? And so really being able to understand the origin of when a subconscious belief was developed and what was the experience. So really being able to identify for yourself what was the experience you were going through at the time the belief was created. In order to change that belief that no longer serves you, You really need to reconnect with the origin from when the belief was created. And that means being able to reconnect with that part of yourself during those developmental years. And again, those beliefs were most likely created from a place of you identifying that you need some form of safety or security. And this is the part of you that is essentially frozen in time in order to continue to protect you from future threats that may feel or be similar to that original threat. And if we understand this, then we also understand 
that the inner child or inner teenager from those developmental years is also not just the creator of our blueprint, but also the protector. Now, I want to say this again so I know that you really hear me. Your inner child or inner teenager from those developmental years is not only the creator of your blueprint, but also the protector of your blueprint. So I think that this is a really key piece of information to have when you are beginning to explore these subconscious parts of your mind, because I think this can really help you have a bit more self-kindness and compassion for yourself if you come across a subconscious belief that you feel like you have really outgrown. Another way you can identify if a belief is no longer serving you If you continue to have a heightened or elevated response to a situation that is not aligning to the severity of the experience you are currently having. So let me provide a few examples for this. If you get takeout order from a restaurant and the order is wrong and you begin to become hysterical about it, you're feeling really agitated, really frustrated then you know that this emotion is not aligning to the experience. It is not aligning to the severity of the experience. Another example is say you're in a romantic relationship and your partner wants to go grab dinner with friends and maybe just have an evening with their friend group. And right away you start feeling that heightened, elevated emotion come through your body And you respond to your partner of saying something along the lines of you always choose to spend your time with other people. You never want to spend time with me. Why don't you want to choose me? So again, that is a response, right? That is not aligned with the experience. And if this is something that continually happens to you, then this is a great indicator that this is probably an area that you need to explore because this is also an area that probably needs some attention and healing. Within my own healing journey, I was really not able to fully transform and change any of my subconscious beliefs until I was able to go back to those various negative experiences from my own individuation process and help that inner child and inner teenager process the experience that they had. And reparenting those parts of myself who are protecting that areas of the blueprint. Because when we are able to reparent that part of ourself, It removes that inner child or removes that inner teenager from the responsibility of protecting this part of ourselves in the first place. And that's a really beautiful act of wholeness, I think. It's a really beautiful act of being able to integrate, again, that word, integrate the individuation process in becoming the self, So I want to leave you with four questions to reflect upon before listening to part two for next week. I will also be posting these questions in the detail section of the podcast so you can reference them a bit easier. And please feel free to use these as journal prompts, um, you know, reflective questions, whatever you need it for. So the first one, 
Are you having similar experiences in different areas of your life that you feel are no longer conducive to your potential growth? If so, what are they? Right? So again, that's finding the pattern. The second one, is there a continued want or need in your life that is not quite being met in the way you currently desire? So this could be something in a relationship, something in a friendship, maybe something you are desiring in your current career. So just be really open and fluid to to what comes up when you reflect upon this question. The third one, when you reflect upon question one and two, what past experiences correlate with these current experiences? So again, question three will will really help you get back to, to that origin, get back to that developmental stage that you were in during that integration process. And number four, what is an area of my mind I want to be curious about and not critical? I think that one's really important to make sure that you are being curious and not critical of yourself if you do find a belief that you feel like you have really outgrown. So go ahead and chase those rabbits down the rabbit hole. Honey, I cannot wait (laughs) to hear what comes up for y'all. I'm so excited to hear about how this works out for you and how this resonates for you. So For next week, again, we will deep dive into more about the inner child, right? So part one was kind of the foundational work of how to get there. And for next week, we'll be going through how to connect to your inner child, how to build trust with your inner child, and how to continue to support that evolution of becoming the self. And we'll also talk a little bit about neuroplasticity in the brain and the subconscious and how healing our inner child can really help support that. So I'm really excited for next week already. Thank you so much for listening. I really can't wait to continue this conversation with you. And thank you again for your time. I will see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Subject to Change podcast. If this episode resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. Leave a review, share it on your socials, or send this episode to a friend. Be sure to check out my services at sarahrorman.com, where I offer coaching sessions, mentorship programs, workshops, and more. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at sarahrorman.com.